You're listening to Depth of Field. This is your host, Rachel. When it comes to photography, enthusiasts are everywhere, and the internet is saturated with images, and yet it is not so often that you see this work printed, and you'll find the galleries dedicated to the craft are far and few in between. Of course, looking at a photo in a feed or on your computer screen doesn't hold a candle to seeing the image in person. In Peterborough, not so many years ago, a few individuals decided to change this notion. This week, I speak with Spark director and co-founder Robert Boudreau about what it was like to start a festival dedicated to the art of photography. The idea? Get practice showing your work, get it seen by people, and make it a community affair. I found it encouraging talking to Robert about what it was like organizing such a festival, the enthusiastic community response they got, and how they've expanded since. The Spark Photo Festival runs during the month of April in Peterborough, and so to help us kick off the 2018 season, I welcome Robert Boudreau into the studio. Welcome to Depth of Field. Okay, well, uh, first of all, welcome to Depth of Field. Thank you for making time out for me. Would you like to start by introducing yourself a little bit? Sure. I'm uh, Robert Poudreau, and I'm the festival director for the Spark Photo Festival in Peterborough, Ontario. And at the moment, the Spark Photo Festival is the only regional festival in all of Canada. All other photo festivals take place in large metropolitan areas. So we're pretty proud of that, and we're pretty proud uh, that we're entering our sixth year this April. and hopefully we'll keep going for a few more years after that. So. <laughs> well, I believe in you. You look like you've got quite a lot of momentum so far. Yeah, it's been, um, you know, uh, we weren't quite sure when we started this. Uh, there were three basic founders, myself, Mickey Renders, who is a high school art teacher, and uh, William Lockington, who um, is a lawyer in town here, but uh, very interested in the uh, the art and science of photography. Um and myself, and basically, uh, when we got going, uh, um, the reason the reason I sort of sort of pushed for this was I I sort of thought you know there's an awful lot of talent. I kept coming across people uh, that uh, pr- practice photography in in the Peterborough region, and uh, they were quite talented photographers. And of course, I had spent most of my career in Toronto, and uh, was well aware of contact. Uh, the Contact Photo Festival. Mm-hmm. It's and, coming up. And that's, yes, that's coming up very shortly, actually. And uh, so I thought, I wonder if we could do a similar thing here. And so we decided we'd hold a little discovery meeting. And we we did a little research and, and got the emails and names of about 120 photographers. And we sent out a message. Uh, and about 80 people showed up. <laughs> <laughs> And as soon as, as soon as I saw that, I thought, oh, my gosh, yes, this will work. And uh, so basically uh, we held our first festival in the year 2013, and we had uh, 46 exhibits that year. And we've uh, over the years we've had as high as 67 exhibits. And uh, this year we're we're at 50, so I I think we're we're going to even out around the 50 mark, <laughs> basically. Yeah, that's still uh, quite a bit. It's still quite a bit, and uh, that includes uh, photographic groups. Um, Peterborough has four photographic clubs, 
which is uh, quite unusual for a city the size. I mean, we're only 80,000 people. So, um, you know, uh, so that probably represents about 400 different photographers right there, uh, the clubs. And uh, then, of course, we... Uh, one of the things we tried to do with the festival, because we were, were not in a big market, and by that, uh, our entire region maybe has 750,000 people in it, uh, compared to Toronto, it's got 3 million people. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we wanted to make it as inclusive as possible. Uh, one, because we know there's a lot of people that practice photography, um, and we sort of see exhibiting your work and printing your work as part of the process of developing as a photographer. Uh, so it's inclusive. We don't, uh, while, while Spark puts on some of its own programming, uh, anybody that really wants to have an exhibit can have an exhibit. So actually this year we have a kindergarten class having an exhibit. I saw that. <laughs> That looks pretty cool, actually. I was going to ask you about that later. Sure, yeah. Um, I'm happy to talk about any of the exhibitors. Uh, um, I've met most of them now, but there's always a surprise every year, somebody new that comes along. Uh, and there's 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 probably about 25% of our exhibitors exhibit every year. And then the other 75% are kind of new. Wow. So it's, it's uh, and then people come back, you know, people will take a couple of years off and then they'll come back with another exhibit two or three years down the line. Um, so now it's kind of something that people look forward to. Mm-hmm. And in the photographic community itself, um, you know, people plan their, their sort of, um, they plan it. So in other words, they'll go, well, I can't do it in 2016, but I think I'll do it in 2018. Mm. Uh, because they expect us to be there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Pressure's on, Robert. <laughs> Pressure's on. <laughs> um, so I, I have a question. You said you, you reached out to the artists in your first year. Were you just familiar with the people in the area, as you said, and you were like, this is really nice. Like, how come we're not displaying this? Or did you seek people out, or did you just network? How, how did that go about? I mean, basically, we just did some research. I just mm-hmm. got online and I searched for people's websites and, um, you know, narrowed the search geographically, if you like, to our area. I found a lot of people I hadn't heard of before. I knew quite a few people um, through my business and through working. I'm a graphic designer by trade. Mm. So I knew quite a few people in that regard. But uh, I was surprised at how many people were actually out there. So, and that includes wedding photographers. We do have a couple commercial photographers in Peterborough, uh, but like myself, the commercial photographers generally do other things. You know, um, like I say, I make I make most of my living from graphic design, um, but uh, because again, small market, the type of opportunities you get as a photographer here are different than what you get in the city. Mm-hmm. So we, I, it, it sounds like a kind of a, a crazy way of doing it, but I just sort of, like I said, I made a, a list of emails and a list of people to contact, and we just sent out um, a notice saying we're going to have this meeting. We rented a hall, you know, got some coffee, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the kind of the rest is history. But uh, from the response, you know, uh, having 
having probably about 60% of the people that I, I reached out to show up. And as you know, photographers are often lone wolves. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to build a community around the practice and art of photography. A lot of people thought it would never work, you know. But uh, I think I think there is a real need for what I call face-to-face presentation of your work mm-hmm. uh, in an in a, a public setting, uh, because of course. You know, most enthusiast photographers will share it with their friends and their family, and maybe online, more so online now. Um, but online doesn't have the same gravitas, if you want to call it that, mm-hmm. as showing your work in public. Um, because a lot of things happen when you show your work in public mentally. First, you have to make a decision whether it's worthwhile to actually print and show this piece. Because when you print something, you're actually making an object of art. Mm-hmm. So, in other words, you have to value your work to the point where you feel that it's worthy of public presentation. So when I first learned about Spark, it was through, I think, one of the um, participants or or someone had... Are, are you speaking of Randy Romano? Uh, I don't think it was him, actually. No, um, I, I am. I'm. I think it. I, I actually don't remember who it was now. But I actually encountered a vendor at uh, Kingston's Skeleton Park Music Festival or Arts Festival. Okay. And we ended up talking about photography, and um, and he was saying that he he was telling me about this Spark Festival that was happening. He's like, yeah, it's really cool, and you know, we just got together and you know put this thing together because. The the photographic arts, there's a lot of enthusiasm for it. I mean, everyone's a photographer, right? But it's so underrepresented in, in galleries. And uh, as you said, printing it is it used to be the norm back when we, when we uh, worked with film. But now that everything's gone digital and it's so easy and we can put it up online, nobody prints anymore, myself included. I am ashamed to say <laughs> on the radio <laughs> or just in general that that I really don't print my stuff and I and I actually don't think like I, I don't have access to a printer where I can do it myself I have to go through other yeah. exactly and then even then I'm like oh do I have the the RBG correctly like you know yeah. so I'm ashamed to admit that I actually have very little knowledge when it comes to that very important part of presenting your art and and there's nothing like seeing a picture in front of you oh it, absolutely it's yeah. just not the same as as uh you know when you look at it on the screen um and the screen hides a lot of deficiencies in your picture you see like it's um a lot of the, you know the, um, uh, the the interesting thing about the screen is that it makes even bad pictures look pretty good mm. <laughs> but uh, the test, of course, and one of the one of the values of photography is that it is reproducible. Mm. Okay, and um, you know, uh, there's a, a book I read when I was in university studying aesthetics, and by Gombrich, uh, or maybe it's an essay, but it was it was called "Art in the Age of Mechanical Reproduction," <laughs> and uh, that that sort of 
tackled the issues of whether something had value if it could be reproduced infinitely. And uh, photographs are like that. They, they can sort of be reproduced infinitely. Um, now, but they're also about the materials, and by that I mean the print materials. Um, and at one time, you know, Photoshop makes things easy now, but at one time people would spend hours in the darkroom to produce the perfect print, you know, by burning and dodging. And there was a, a range of uh, paper substrates that you could work with, uh, a range of sort of chemical baths that you could work with. And all of those were decisions that went towards the final art piece. And yes, it could be reproduced, um, but you have to make careful notes as you're going along. And as you know, working in Photoshop, if you don't make notes about what you're doing, <laughs> you'll never reproduce it. <laughs> too true, too true. <laughs> yeah, so, but the artists today, particularly photographic artists, um, are, are starting to use their materials in different ways. And I, I see kind of a revival of interest in material. And so, uh, for instance, there's a, a photographer in town here named Roz Hermant. And Roz, uh, she's, she's such a great experimenter with materials. And so she'll start with photographs. And uh, she takes all her own photographs. Uh, and then she'll layer them on, let's say, a canvas or some other sort of substrate. And then she'll put, a, like, a, a plastic epoxy over them. And she'll just keep building up layers kind of with different photographs and, and uh, different materials on top of the photograph. And she ends up with these absolutely gorgeous uh, images. Um, so it's not done in Photoshop. It's done with the materials. And all artists have to learn the craft of their materials. And, you know, art is uh, part craft and, you know, part creativity. Um, and it's the same thing with photography. And I think one of the, the things that happened with the digital uh, revolution in imaging is that that part of the artistry got pushed aside. And but I'm seeing a resurgence of that, actually. Seeing a, res a resurgence of people that are interested in the print or output process and the, and the materials that are used for that process. Well, that's encouraging, isn't it? It's a, I think, I, you know, again, I think it's a change because we've become oversaturated with images on the Internet. Right, yeah. And, uh, you know, uh, a lot of people see that as a, a big downfall. But I see it actually as a, a freedom uh, for people. And as, as you know, uh, everybody's a photographer. We all talk about <laughs> this. <laughs> but um, when you bring intent to your photography, then it becomes something else. So in other words, when you, when you bring consciousness to how you make a photograph and where you want that photograph to go, what you want it to say, um, how you want people to perceive it, then you're straying into what I call the artistic realm, <laughs> <laughs> and it's kind of it's kind of like crossing through a curtain uh, where you're not quite sure what's on the other side, 
um, but you're you're going to experiment until you get to where you want to be, mm. get to the other side. And I think I think that's one of the values of photographic festivals is that they they kind of force people to really consider what they're doing. And um, we call it uh, you know, a group of friends of mine that are photographers. We call it the you know, uh, most people shoot with what we call the scattergun approach, which mm-hmm. is take thousands of images and one of them will be good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, or one of them will be genius. And uh, again, that was, a, that was a question we used to examine in, in aesthetics is, uh, you know, if you put like a million monkeys at a typewriter and let them type for a billion years, would any of them ever come up with a Shakespearean play? <laughs> It's <laughs> an interesting question. <laughs> well, it, it is kind of an interesting question. So, so that kind, but it brings it, it brings it all back to what's the intent? You know, um, like a, a monkey typing um, with no intention mm-hmm. will probably never produce anything of much value. Mm-hmm. So, you know, with and one of the interesting things that I've noticed now that we've been around for about six years is that all the photographers are getting better. You know, their work is becoming more complicated, more nuanced, uh, better technically, um, and it's because they're they're testing themselves, not only with their fellow photographers in the community, but they're testing themselves with the public. Mm. So there's this kind of little nudge in your back. <laughs> yeah, feedback is incredibly valuable. That's it another thing you don't valuable. always get when you're not, as you said, you know, there in person. Yeah, I mean, uh, again, you can you can have people like your pictures mm-hmm. on Flickr or online or wherever you have your pictures up, but there's very little what I call conversation mm-hmm. about the about the photograph. So you get 10,000 10, likes. Well, what does that really mean? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, does it really mean something? Or does it, or is it just, you know, um, instantaneous feedback without a lot of consideration, a lot of, uh, you know, um, careful examination of what you're doing? So, and it's, it's one thing I try and teach my students is to read the photograph. And, and by that is to really look at it and try and figure out what the photographer was trying to do you know and it's good for self-critique to be able to read uh, read uh, a visual language um, and that's what photographs are they're a visual language um, and I think if you want to develop as a photographer and develop your skills you have to learn how to read and and how do you encourage that in your students? Um, basically, with um, I have I have these newcomer students that I work with. Okay, and so uh, that is that for the the youth yes, photo project. Yeah. Do you want to explain that real quick before we jump yeah, in? Basically, we started this two years ago, and we started with very young children. We started with uh, children age five to ten, and uh, we supplied cameras to them and uh, taught them some basics about photography and light and how to look at shadows and things like that. Very basic stuff. And, um, and quite conceptual for children that age, actually. 
We gave them point-and-shoot cameras that were indestructible. <laughs> so they important. Could, very important with the little kids. Uh, and they had big buttons and very easy menus to understand. And sent them out and said, just, just photograph what's around you. And, um, and that was so successful with the parents. Uh, um, a lot of newcomer children are very isolated when they come here uh, because of language problems. You know, um, the, children, the, the young ones pick it up very, very quickly. Uh, but the most at-risk group are the teenagers because the teenagers, you know, once you're 12, 13, 14, whatever, it becomes much more difficult to learn a new language. They will eventually. I mean, there's, there's not, you know, some of them are, are well advanced over the other ones, but there's there's more of a resistance. So allowing a young person to learn a visual language, which hasn't so much to do with writing and uh, putting things down on paper, but as to showing things by taking pictures. So with the teenagers, we actually equipped them with DSLRs, and uh, we held a, a series of exercises and workshops. And one of the things I did is every week, I asked them to take their, their memory card to a local camera store and put it in the kiosk, and we paid for them to make uh, a certain number of prints, mm. so five prints. So the first thing we do at the next workshop is we pull out all the prints and we look at them and talk about them. So, you know, and, you know, often when they made a print, they were really disappointed, which which we often are as photographers, <laughs> even mm-hmm. advanced photographers. Oh, it's essential if you want to improve. I mean, yeah. you can't beat yourself up all the time, I guess, but. Yeah, but proof prints are like 40 cents or 30 cents a piece or something like that, so. Mm-hmm. I encourage I encourage people that are trying to learn things, and even people that are trying to do an exhibit, to make a bunch of proofs. And uh, you know, when you throw them all down on a table in front of eight other kids or eight other teenagers, and everybody's, uh, and and then people start questioning. Well, you know, what 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 was it that attracted you to this subject? You know, uh, and a lot of times it's the color, uh, sometimes it's the light. And often they can see from what they've produced that maybe they they should have moved in on the subject. Mm. If the subject was very far back. <laughs> you know, often often uh, our eyes, of course, are have quite a wide uh, angle of vision. So when we photograph things, often we we want to include everything that we can see. But that often makes for a very cluttered and boring photograph. And so learning, just learning simple things like that, move in on your subject so that it fills the frame. Um, you know, you can talk about things like framing, you know. Uh, so, you know, of course, we, we talked them the compositional rule, rule of thirds rule and uh, talked about why. So all of those things you can see in the print and you can see it much clearer than you see it on the screen. Um, so that was that was one way of developing a visual language. So the program is basically meant to give them another tool to communicate with the wider society. Part of it is to have a public presentation, okay? Because that's kind of like your, you know, um, your ball, if you like, your, your 
uh, your debutante <laughs> ball, where they present their work in public, and that's all part of the learning process. So we take them right from not knowing anything about photography or a camera to a public presentation, and uh, you will not believe how excited the kids are, you know, to be able to make a big print and put it up on the wall and have their family and friends come, plus the wider community will come. Uh, with the with the children, we had, I think we had over 100 people come out to their reception. Oh, wow. And they, the kids were just, they were flying. Right. <laughs> and it's it's such a good boost to their self-esteem mm. and their self-worth and and hopefully it allows them to understand that there's other ways of communicating with people yeah and that's that's really what the whole program is about it's just um what's the how long is this project we started in september so basically it went from september and it will finish at the end of april oh wow okay okay so it's a, it's you know, um, I learned with the very young children that it was too long a time period. Okay, I mean their, you know, their their energy level is such that you really need to do it in one day and have the exhibit the next day. <laughs> well, hey, it cuts down that investment time for you, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, working with the teenagers, uh, you know, I mean, one day, you know, people underestimate teenagers. All oh, yeah. And they don't challenge them enough, and um, and teenagers are willing to take on the world. As uh, as we can see from um, absolutely what's yeah. happening right now down south, <laughs> the border. Yeah. Well, and up here as well, you know. True. Um, yeah, it's quite it's quite true. I mean, teenagers have this um, one. They're they're young. They're healthy. They have uh, incredible energy, and they have um, naivety, but also great optimism and because of that um like i say they're they're quite quite they're a lot more capable than we give them credit for mm-hmm. and in fact uh i think the more you challenge them the more they rise to the occasion so i didn't make it easy for the teenagers teaching them very complicated photographic principles and uh you know uh, some of them absorbed it some of them were totally lost <laughs> about in, in the end they all sort of said I learned a lot more than I was expecting to learn mm. you know and that was a good that's what you want to hear that was a good compliment actually to to what we were doing so uh yeah it was it was a lot of fun every now and again I bring in special teachers uh, to teach uh, certain parts of the program uh, I brought in a couple editors to work with them when they were selecting their images for the exhibit, and uh, it's pretty funny how how uh, how kids select their images actually. Really? Yeah, it's well, it's quite interesting. I mean, um, uh, they have many many great photos, and often they completely ignore the the great photos or what I consider great. <laughs> 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 so it's uh you know, and that goes back to sort of. Um, subjective things right mm-hmm. and, uh, because we all we ha- all have different concerns with our photography mm-hmm. and different uh, different people that we admire let's say different mentors so 
So, uh, yeah, but the kids kids are very shy about showing their personal life. Sure, yeah. Yeah. Well, we all are. It takes... Um, <laughs> yeah, it takes great bravery to do that, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, so I'm curious, because you, you have a, a few different projects that you guys are doing this year, not just a newcomer youth photo project, but I noticed you have, uh, you're doing a collaboration piece with the Brain Injury Association. Um, in the area, yeah. is that a similar um, idea? Is that actually what the Brain Injury Association does? We're we're we don't really collaborate with them, but they're they kind of um, we have a category called community exhibits, and that's for not-for-profit um, uh, community organizations that basically. Uh, so that they can advocate or educate or sometimes fundraise. What the Brain Injury Association does is they actually use photography as part of their programming. So Spark is um, their end game, if you like. So, um, and again, photography works really well with people that have uh, lost certain brain functions. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a great way to communicate. It's a great way to build self-esteem and to recover skills. Uh, so they use it as therapy. Um, what the Brain Injury Association does is they take our, our we have a juried exhibit every year which has a theme and they take the theme for our juried exhibit and they make that the theme for their exhibit. Oh, okay. And uh, so their, their clientele um, you know, all ages, uh, you know, um, all sort of demographics. And then they have this, it's, it's really a wonderful exhibit. Um, small prints usually, you know, not much bigger than 5 by 7 But they have literally hundreds of them. And uh, they fill their windows on their uh, office. And also certain times of the day you can go inside and they have, they have pictures all over the place all based on whatever theme Spark had chosen for that year's jury to exhibit. Hmm. So they, can, they like I say, they've uh, used Spark to work it into their programming. And they've actually been with us from the beginning. Uh, oh, they I have didn't. an exhibit every year, and it's, uh, it's fantastic. I mean, it's, it's just great. Oh, I didn't realize that. That's really cool. Yeah, and so I, that's another way that Spark is trying to build community. Mm-hmm. Uh, around around the practice of photography, and you ha- you have a few um, I don't know if I like artist talks. I suppose is what you. Yeah, that's a that's an optional thing. We're trying mm-hmm. to, um, you know, we we were uh, offering workshops during Spark, but what we found was that with uh, fifty exhibits, um, <laughs> even if you went to one a day, you couldn't see them all. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so the workshops weren't well attended, and we started giving our workshops outside of Spark, mm-hmm. and those uh, were well attended. So uh, now an artist talk is optional, and anybody can give one, and we'll publicize it in the Spark catalog and on our website. Um, uh, some artists choose to do that. Some artists don't. Uh, Generally, the receptions are kind of the big thing that people do. So mm-hmm. instead of calling it an opening, we call it, we just call it a reception. Mm-hmm. And uh, because, of course, if if we call it an opening, everybody would want to open on the first day, and then nobody would show up <laughs> because <laughs> because there's only so many you can see. <laughs> uh, so we call it receptions, and uh, generally we have about 
usually about 80% of the photographers do a reception. And that's a chance to meet the photographer. And we know from experience that if your interest is in selling your work, uh, that's where you're going to sell 50% of everything that you sell. Really? Yeah. So, well, that's, it's, again, it's part of, um, uh, when people buy art and there's, there's, and photography is like most art, it's really difficult to make a sale. Um, when you buy art, uh, you generally want to meet the artist. You want to feel some personal connection to the artist. Mm -hmm. Uh, and that's that's a big part of it. I mean, you're you're talking about meeting this person that, um, you know, on uh, an art an art show, outdoor art show in Kingston, mm -hmm. and it's kind of the same thing. I mean, it's it's uh, you want to go there, you want to meet the artist, you want to talk to them a little bit, find out something about their background, and make a personal connection. And uh, often it's that personal connection that sells the piece rather than uh, the inherent value of the piece. And um, again, we try and discourage people from thinking that um, they're going to sell their work because we're not really an art fair or art marketplace. But uh, that's not the purpose behind Spark. You know, we're not, you know, we want, we want people to sell their work for sure. But more so, we want people to recognize photography as an art form mm. and, and to be exposed to photography in, in that kind of setting. So. And, and, and that's actually, I mean, that's what I really, really found attractive about Spark was just the idea of getting interested people together and putting on a show to display to the public. And, and I mean, it looks like you've got tons of exhibits um, whether they're groups collectives individual pieces etc etc I wanted to ask you though about the venues and the gallery spaces because I I found that really really interesting I mean you have you said what 50 50 exhibits which means you have I mean I I don't know if you have rotating venues or or how that works but I mean you must just flood the downtown core with uh with photographic art yeah it's um again one of the because because we're in a small city relative uh we don't have a lot of commercial galleries we have one public or well it's an art gallery actually uh but it it works at the provincial and, and national level so there's not a lot of opportunity for photographers to show their work there uh and that's that's fine i mean they they have a very different mandate than a public gallery. Um, so one of the things that we did is we, we uh, approached the business community and the Downtown Business Improvement Association, uh, the Women's Business Network. We talked to all of these people and we said, look, we're, there's going to be people coming by and asking if they can put their work up on your walls. And so not only are we, uh, and we, we've got far more businesses that want to be an exhibit venue than we have photographers available to fill them. We literally have hundreds of people that want a photographer in their place of business. Wow. And why? Because we don't charge them anything and we don't ask for any money. Mm. So in other words, they get a lot of publicity. Mm -hmm. Their business location gets tons, tons of mentions. Mm-hmm. 
um, you know, uh, so it's a way it's a way of bringing new people into your place of business. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't work with every business, but one again, one of our goals as a festival was to put photographs in places where people go rather than in a museum. Mm-hmm. And and that was kind of grew out of necessity. Like I say, we have very few places that are are public spaces that people can put their art. Uh, but we have a lot of businesses mm-hmm. and uh, a lot of businesses. And, and I just love all the places that people have found to put their photography. You know, we're in a laundromat. <laughs> you know, <laughs> we've been in car dealerships. We've been in furniture stores, hair salons. So people immediately, first year it was all, everybody wanted to be in a restaurant. Mm. But uh, I'm not big on restaurants for a number of reasons. But, uh, you know, but people have, again, sort of evolved a little bit. And they're, mm. you know, they're starting to look at other spaces, you know, doctor's offices. Um, and, and um Again, it's just it's it's just wherever there is a wall space is a good place to have an exhibit. And you don't need a very big wall. Ten and feet by ten feet, you can have an exhibit. Right. And the artists go and seek these out. You you guys have nothing to do with it. You just say find a, a spot. Yeah, we have a list that we've developed over the years of people that have expressed interest. Uh, we've been at the airport. Uh, we have a local airport here in Peterborough. Mm. Um, yeah, so we keep a list of every place that anybody has ever shown their work, and we circulate that. Um, we also have exhibits in Northumberland County, which includes uh, Workworth, Campbellford, um, Coburg, uh, Port Hope, Brighton. Uh, and this year, for the first time, we're, we're having exhibits in Lindsay. Mm. Um, so again, we're we're asking people. We ask our photographers to go out and make the contact. Mm-hmm. Uh, we provide some hints as to where to go, and uh, you know, and then they follow up on it. Be- and part of that is again, as as you develop and grow as a photographer, you need to learn how to communicate with the people that are going to support you, mm-hmm. and more so than anybody else. The people that are going to support photographers are the business community. So people are quite shy about approaching somebody. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, you know, I like to tease them and go, well, you know, um, if you never ask somebody, you never give them the opportunity to say no. Mm -hmm. So it's a way of showing respect for the other person. And I kind of wish I'd known this when I was dating. (laughs) I only found this out late in life. (laughs) Also good advice. (laughs) But uh, like I say, I like to tease people about that because it's, you know, you have to overcome a lot of inner fear to show your work in public. And by building that relationship with the business owner, uh, it's, again, it's part of your process of growth both as a human being and as a photographer. And uh, what you'll find out is that most business owners are just fantastic people and really want to help you achieve your goals. Mm-hmm. And it's a mutual its a mutual thing. Everybody benefits. What other advice would you give to 
people who might be interested in starting a photo festival themselves? Um, I've, I've, I've thought about this quite a bit, actually, and uh, you know, I think there's I think there's certain things that need to happen before you can build a festival of any kind, whether it be a photo festival or an arts festival or a music festival. One, there's got to be, you have to have a base. And the base in this case is what I call the photographers, the photographic community. You need to have one or two people who will drive the thing. So, in other words, it's, it's uh, there's got to be one or two committed people in the organization or group that really wants to see this happen, and they want to see it happen more than anything else. And we we have that with our three founders, basically. Um, and then you have to have a person in the community that's an influencer who gets behind what you're doing. And I'd, I'd say Spark has been very lucky in that regard because one of our founders is... is um, you know, a uh, well-respected member of the community and is involved in pretty much everything that happens in this mm. community <laughs> through his firm's uh, philanthropy. And, of course, he's a great photographer himself, and he got behind us and ushered, um, and that's Bill Lockington, and ushered a lot of support from the, if, if you like, the class of people in the city that, could help us financially and with just moral support, if you like. Um, we're we're also very lucky to have our local government, the city of Peterborough, really get behind us right from the beginning. And we've been building our relationship with the city of Peterborough for six years now. And, uh, you know, our, our first year, I think they gave us like 400 bucks or something. <laughs> <laughs> But now we're we're at a point um, where uh, they've given us sustainable funding over a three-year p- period. Uh, I mean, it doesn't pay all our expenses, but it's enough that we have a little bit in the kitty at the end of each festival, mm. uh, which allows us to start all over again. Yeah, yeah. You just put uh, it into I mean, the next basically year. Basically, we start from zero every year. We, if, if you want to call it that, we start from zero dollars. And in total, it costs, between fifty and sixty thousand dollars to run the festival. Oh, okay. Wow. Okay, and that's not paying any staff. Right. All volunteer right. run. Yeah. So it's. Uh, I mean, I'm paid. I'm paid a little bit. It's, I'm, I call it an honorarium. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, as as the director, but that's basically that's our only um, expense, and that's a contract that I do through my business, basically. Um, so yeah, so I think those are the things. Like like I say, you have to you have to have people that drive it. Um, uh, some somebody that's that's a um, influencer in the community, and uh, and then a base of people that are interested in being mm. involved as participants in the festival. And so the first year when you when you started this the first year. In you know, you guys got together and thought, yeah, maybe we should try it. Let's see, you know, what kind of feedback we get and community interest. Like, what did that look like? Were you guys investing financially a lot into it the first year? Or did you just kind of look out for some sponsors, apply to some grants? Like, how did you approach that? Because uh, $60,000 is a 
is a, a little bit daunting for uh <laughs> it it sounds like a lot of money but we had some some things built in that were income streams mm-hmm. uh for instance we charge a registration fee uh right okay yeah now that doesn't cover anywhere near our costs for the services that we provide the registrants mm-hmm. so pretty much every photographer that takes part in spark is subsidized um to a certain point, and that's through our efforts in other areas. A lot of our income comes from selling catalog advertising. Uh, right. Okay, and uh, one of the things we did, we, we got a volunteer our first year who, who suggested that we apply for an economic development grant. And we did that, and that actually paid for our expenses on the catalog hmm. for our first year. And um, it's paid off for the city, uh, and and for our it's called, called Peterborough Economic Development PED. But basically, uh, Eastern Ontario, uh, there's probably a similar economic development uh, council in in Kingston. Basically, they have money together for community projects and for businesses, mostly for businesses. Fortunately, again, Peterborough is a very interesting community. So the people on the Economic Development Council recognized immediately that this might have some tourism benefit for the area. <laughs> uh, so, and we've always set ourselves up as a destination uh, event. Um, you know, we've always marketed our, ourselves as a destination event. And we've done some studies, and we know that uh, the, the Spark Festival brings about oh, $1.5 million worth of... Uh, uh, new economic uh, activity in the city wow. in April, and and probably several hundred thousand dollars more for the rest of the province. Um, so it does have an impact, you know, uh, and I think people see that. We're positioned on what I call the shoulder month, like April, pretty much in April, nothing happens. <laughs> it's still just because it's not summer yet, and it's kind of not winter. It's a little muddy, <laughs> and it's a uh, and you know it, you can't do things outdoors, so or you know it's not comfortable mm-hmm. anyway to do things outdoors for a long period of time, except for bicycling. But you you know what I'm I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Now photographers will be outside that time of year, but you know uh, we didn't want to compete with contact, which is in May. Mm. Okay, uh, the Montreal Photo Festival is in September. And the fall is actually a very busy time uh, with uh, generally studio tours, uh, fall color tours. There's, there's all sorts of stuff happening in the fall. Uh, most charity events in the, in the city of Peterborough, anyway, take place in the fall and winter. So we just kind of felt that April was a good month. Mm. Because it's the cruelest month, <laughs> uh, if you know your TSLA. Anyway, but <laughs> um, no, you know, it just seemed a good time to do a photo festival because mm. people do want to get outside, and so, you know, on a nice day in April, you'll see people walking around downtown with their pocket guide, checking out the the exhibits, and uh, you know, going from exhibit place to exhibit place, and it's great. You know, yeah. uh, so if there's a, a excuse to get outside and the weather's nice, people will be out there. And uh, 
but also if the weather's not so nice, we have everything's indoors. And are you are you pretty happy at where it's at, or do you have any anything that you'd like to play with festival-wise in the future? Any potential yeah, that you I see? Th- you know, Spark Spark does some of its own um, exhibits. For many years, we had a heritage exhibit, and this year I'm, we're having what I call a Back to the Future exhibit with the the Canada 150 exhibit that we're doing. Mm. Uh, because uh, uh, hundred years from now, that will be a heritage exhibit. <laughs> so we're kind of playing playing it uh, forward, if you like, uh, into the future with that one. Um, and we have our juried exhibit, which is becoming more and more popular every year. Um, we had, up, up until last year, we had what we called, we paired an emerging curator with an emerging photographer. Uh, generally, these were university-level students. And... Um, uh, we we weren't able to find somebody this year to do that exhibit, so that's that's uh, hopefully it will revise at some point. Um, and what was what was the idea with that? Well, basically, it was to take a student, somebody that was a student in art college or photography school, and uh, let them curate another photographer. Hmm. So, in other words, to present an emerging photographer, uh, somebody that that they felt was going to make a mark on the future of photography. And, the, and we ha- we've we had some really, really good people, actually. Um, so, you know, but again, you can't always find a student. Uh, we, t- we tried to work with a, a, a student from Peterborough uh, to take on that task, to be the curator of an emerging photographer. Mm-hmm. Um, often, often... Uh, the people that took on that job <laughs> had no interest in photography when they first took it on. <laughs> but uh, part, all, most of our exhibits are what I call self-curated. And so the, the photo- photographer themselves have to learn how to curate their own exhibit. Um, I would like to see us offer more support in that regard to our our base, uh, either by having you know um, a part-time curator that's available for the exhibitors to pick their brain uh, and you know help uh, you know curators play a very important role in the development of a photographer mm. um, and their their skill, their artistic skill and vision. Uh, and often can see things in the work that the artist themselves doesn't see. You know, like how how certain themes emerge from your work. Mm. Uh, and I'm sure you know, uh, I, I think you do a lot of photography on your own and, and that as well, but uh, I take it you, when you start looking at your body of work that maybe you've done over five years or so, you'll start to see certain things emerge. Mm-hmm. You know, certain themes, uh, certain things seem to push them themselves forward. As why do I always take pictures of that? Mm. And that only comes when you have a body of work. Mm. And then, but a curator would would notice those patterns immediately and say, "Oh, well, I think we could, I think we could build an exhibit around all your pictures of staircases." <laughs> you know, again, I'm just picking something yeah, out of the air yeah. there, but. Uh, um, and that would bring a, a real focus 
you know, often what people do with their exhibits is they, they go, I'm just going to put up my best pictures. So there might be a picture of a cow, a staircase, <laughs> a barn, you know, a bird, a, a landscape, and, you know, and there's no, there's no unity to mm. what they're presenting. So it looks, it looks disorganized, and it looks like the photographer photographed with no intent. Mm. So what a curator does is they'll look at your work and they'll, and, and the curator has their own prejudices, of course, there's mm-hmm. nothing, but that's kind of the way all art works. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> they have something they want to say with the exhibit, and perhaps they see something in your work that unifies it, and they want to concentrate on, and maybe, maybe that unification uh, fits in with a theme that they're thinking about already. Uh, and that's that's why you get interesting gallery shows, basically. Mm. So in terms of the future of Spark, I'd like to see basically us, uh, the organization providing more support for the photographer's development. We love working with community groups. Say we've done the, the project with the newcomer, uh, the new Canadian Center uh, in partnership with them for two years now. Last year, we started working with Peterborough Greenup, which is a local environmental advocacy group. Mm-hmm. And we started something called Spark Spin. Huh. Where we're creating uh, bicycle routes between the exhibits. Oh, cool. And we're doing that again this year. And actually, uh, the, the person that does it, Lindsay Stroud, is the, the, she uh, works on transportation in Peterborough, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, with with Peterborough Green Up, and uh, we're also going to develop a walking tour this year. Mm. <laughs> so, Smart. so again, uh, because it's a form of transportation, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, one of the one of the criticisms of art, if you like, is that it's passive uh, because you're looking. Uh, so we thought, we how can we marry physical activity with going around to the exhibits? <laughs> And uh, so that's kind of a, a fun thing that we that we do. And, um, you know, like I say, we'd like to work with more community groups. But what's happening is that the community groups are picking up the torch themselves. And, you know, we have a shelter here called the Yes Shelter for homeless children and families. And uh, they've been running a photography program. Um, you know, a young indigenous woman uh, uh, photographer has been running a photography program with the, the homeless youth uh, and doing exhibits. Hmm. And so, like I say, the community organizations themselves are seeing the value of, of using it in their programming and using it just to let people know that they're there. Yeah. For the future, I'd like to see more of that, more collaboration with community groups. It's the old, the old story. You can do a lot more together. Mm. than you can on your own. And I think, I think again, that's kind of the essence of what Spark is. It's basically we're trying to bring all these people together to create something that we never could have done on our own. Yeah. And I, and I just wanted to wrap up a little bit. This is something that I ask all of my guests. If you were in my position, you were interviewing a photographer whose work you admired, what would you like to ask them? I'd like to ask them um, what influences them besides photography. 
Mm. There's something that sort of fashions the way you look at photography. Is it other art? Because I think photographers are influenced by a lot of other things, by a lot of other art forms, actually. And um, so I'd kind of like to know what they they like, you know. Mm. <laughs> good, good question. Yeah. No, I'm I'm always curious about what other people are thinking and wh- how they see things and what it is they're maybe not even trying to channel but just uh, connect with, I suppose. And uh, for people who are looking to check out some of these exhibits and the dates that they'll be on, when does the festival run again? It runs every year from April 1st until April 30th. The best way of seeing an overview is to go to the website at uh, sparkphotofestival.org or .com. Either one will take you to uh, our website. And uh, on the calendar page, there's a list of all the um, talks and receptions. And, uh, you know, you'll see that most of them are on weekends. That's awesome. Well, thank you so, so much for uh, for sitting down and chatting with me today. I really appreciate you taking the time out, and uh, I look forward to making my way down to Peru in the next month. It's been a pleasure to speak with you, Rachel, and I, I hope uh, you have a little better understanding of Spark and uh, what we're trying to accomplish up here in Peterborough. And that was my interview with Robert Boudreau about the upcoming Spark Photo Festival in Peterborough come April. You can find more information about the festival at www.sparkphotofestival.org. And if you want to listen to this interview again, be sure to find it on my personal page, rachelunderbrown.com, or check out my Facebook page at CFRC Depth of Field. As always, thanks for listening, and see you next Saturday.